0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Let's Talk Low Vision, brought to you by the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International. My name is Dr. Bill Takeshita, and this evening we're going to talk about self-driving cars. Now, for many years, people who have low vision have always been hoping for the day that there would be a way that they could drive a car. Now, many people with low vision are able to obtain a driver's license in 47 of the 50 states, by using telescopic glasses. Now, these telescopic glasses are glasses that have a miniaturized telescope that allows a person to see further distances. But for many people, they often feel uncomfortable using these glasses, or that the Department of Motor Vehicles will limit the times and the places that a person can use these glasses. So when the technology has evolved to a point where a person who is totally blind would be able to use a car with the use of these types of computer systems, it is something that really became very, very popular amongst the low-vision population. And tonight, we're going to talk about what is the present status of the self-driving car. So the first thing we're going to talk about, what do we mean when we're talking about self-driving car? What does that really entail? Well, what it really means is that a person who is not capable of driving a car, or even a person who is totally blind, would be able to sit inside these types of cars, and the car would take that person from place A to place B. And Google... Has really been one of the leaders in this particular field. It's been about seven years or so that Google has really invested millions and millions and millions of dollars into these particular projects, and they have been studying what is the effect of these particular types of self driving cars. Initially, they began this type of research up in Mountain View, California. And they used their different engineers and scientists to develop a computerized system that would be able to process information from a laser and a radar and a GPS and other types of sensors. So with all of this type of information being gathered from 360 degrees around the car, the computer would process that information and the computer would know how close or how far is the car ahead of them. How close or how far is the car behind you? How close are you to the cars on either side of you? It would know how high is that traffic signal. And it even has the ability to identify other types of possible obstacles, such as it could determine if it is a dog that is running in the street. It could determine if it is a rabbit. It's able to determine if it might just be a plastic bag, and that is something that should be ignored. Another thing that's really, really fantastic about this type of technology is the fact that it is able to see things that the human eye cannot see. For example... If you were driving alongside a road and you came to a corner where you were going to make a right-hand turn, if there happened to be a little retaining wall, it would have the ability to see through the wall. In other words, it could see if there was a pedestrian on the other side of the wall, or it could see if there was a wheelchair on the other side of the wall and that wheelchair was about to go in and across the street. So these particular technical features of this type of system is extremely beneficial because it is able to see more than what a human can see, and it is able to process this information immediately. Now thus far, Google has been driving their fleet of self-driving cars over 1.7 million miles. So with Google testing these self-driving cars, uh, this is really equivalent to a a single person probably driving a car for something like 70 years. And what's really incredible is that these particular self-driving cars have been very, very effective and very safe. I believe that there has only been about 15 accidents in these self-driving cars since they have begun this particular type of research. Now, you might say, well, 15 accidents. I've never been in 15 accidents in my life. Well, the thing about this is that these accidents that the Google cars have been in, the accidents have not been the fault of the Google or the self-driving car with the exception of one case. All the other types of accidents have been where another car has bumped into the self-driving car. In the one case where it was the fault of the self-driving car, the self-driving car was going through a construction zone where there are a lot of sandbags and other types of things, and the car moved to avoid a sandbag, and it's then struck a, a bus at a, at a rate, I believe it was two miles per hour. So overall, we could see that The cars have been very, very safe in its ability to travel in different cities. Now, they have not only done this in Northern California. They have also tested driving these cars in other states, including Texas, Florida, Nevada, Arizona, and Michigan have been testing the self-driving cars throughout the United States and it has been very, very, very successful. Now, what kind of cars are they using? Uh, They began these particular types of studies using the Toyota Prius, the Audi, and also with the Lexus SUV. All of these cars that have received the, the greatest amount of training and such have been these electric cars. As a result, the self driving car is something that's very friendly to the environment. We don't have that type of carbon emissions that we're often very, very concerned with. The other thing is that there are more and more car manufacturers who are really, really getting involved. Just this past month, Chrysler has invested hundreds of millions of dollars into this particular project. Toyota has invested over a hundred million dollars in Toyota to develop these particular types of cars, and we also know that Tesla, you know, the very high-performance, sleek uh, car is also now using various components of self-driving. With the current Tesla that is available for people to purchase, it will not completely drive you. It is more driver-assist. But that particular car is able to determine when you are getting close to another car, and it will apply the brakes. Or if you are starting to move out of your lane, it will straighten the car and stay within the lines. So it's very, very exciting to see what's going on with us. Now, the self-driving cars also have some other very, very nice features in the sense that the cars are just typical cars. They have the air conditioning, the heating, the radio, the stereo, the leather seats, all of that. And we also have found that people who have ridden in the cars say that these cars ride extremely smoothly. In other words, the computer system that guides these cars, it does not accelerate too fast or brake too hard. It is not like the people mover at Disneyland, but it is very, very smooth. Another thing that's very, very nice about these particular cars is that they are able to be programmed to travel at different rates of speed. At the current time with these research studies, the south driving cars are traveling at a rate of 25 miles per hour. Now we might say at this point in time that's a bit slow. but This is just so that they can get all that type of information they need and it could then be modified so that the cars will travel at a faster rate. The cars are also becoming programmed and developing higher technology so that they can drive in the snow and in the rain. In the earlier versions of the self-driving cars, it had more difficulty with navigating if it was a very rainy night and the rain is moving or blowing because of the wind or if the snow is moving in that way. But this is something that is also really very, very much improved. Now, in the Google design car, one of the things that they have done and they have wanted is that they wanted their car to have no steering wheel and no brakes and no gas pedal. And so the current versions of the self-driving cars do not have any of those particular types of controls. However, in the state of California, the state of California is stating that they do want to have a gas pedal and a brake and a steering wheel so that in the event of an emergency, a person who is driving that car would be able to take control. So what is required to be able to operate a self-driving car? One of the requirements will be that the person who is controlling that car, so to speak, by riding in it must have a certificate or license to operate or to be in that particular type of self-driving car. What's also very interesting is the fact that the computer system that controls the self-driving car is qualified as being that particular navigator so it is very possible that a person who has no vision or a person who is handicapped and could not drive a car would be able to have a self-driving car and allow the computer program to travel that person from one place to another there was actually a video maybe some of you have even seen it where there was a person who was blind, took the self-driving car, and the self-driving car picked him up, took him to the laundromat, took him to the drive through to get a hamburger, brought him home. So in other words, it is so precise that these particular vehicles will know how to find the drive through if you're going to go to McDonald's or other types of fast food places. Now, what are some of the different types of drawbacks that we see with these cars? Well, at the present time, the one unknown is what would be the cost of these cars? There have been some producers of these cars who say that they can produce these cars at a cost that is similar to cars of today. But then when you read other articles, it tells you that the computer system in there is as much as $75,000. So the actual price of these cars, it really hasn't been quite set yet. When are these cars going to be released? These cars have been reported that they would be released as early as 2017, but in some of the more recent types of articles, uh, other manufacturers stated it wouldn't be released closer towards 2019 or 2020. One of the things that many of these manufacturers are hoping for is that these cars are going to be replacing, they're going to be replacing the taxi cabs with drivers. So if we look at the economics of what these self-driving cars mean to the country and to the entire world, it is really, really significant. The reason that this is so significant is that one self-driving car could actually replace 12 conventional cars. And the reason that it would be able to do that is that these self-driving cars would be something that most people would not own. Rather, they would rent the car to take them where they needed to go at that time that they needed to be someplace. When you actually look at the statistics most cars that individuals own are idle and don't even run 90% of the time. In other words, almost all cars are parked 90% of the day. And when we think about that, that probably is pretty true. In a 24 hour day, maybe we drive our car about two and a half hours a day. Let's say that you live in Los Angeles and you have to travel 15 miles. It may take you about an hour and 15 minutes in the morning and an hour and 15 minutes to come home to travel 15 miles. So what we do know is that most cars sit idle either in the garage or in parking lots. And at the current time, today in the United States, if we were to accumulate every parking lot and assemble them together, that would account for the entire state of Connecticut would just be a parking lot. So what many people are really excited about is that these self-driving cars will eliminate the number of cars in the road, which would then improve the commuting time. You wouldn't have as much traffic. It would eliminate the number of parking lots, so there would be that much more space to either build parks or schools or other developments. And even in our own homes, we would have more room that if we wanted to add on another bedroom or a study or a recreation room, you would have that room to do it because you really wouldn't have to own a car. Another benefit of the cars that is that the self-driving cars are anticipated to be much safer. And why do we think that they would be safer? is that 90% of all traffic accidents are because of the fault of a driver. It might be one driver or it could be the other driver, but it is usually not the fault of the car or the road or the weather or some other natural disaster. When people get in accidents, it's usually because that they are texting on their phone or that they have had a couple of too many drinks at the bar after work, or that they're very tired. Many times we know that these truck drivers who cross drive across the country, uh, they get very, very tired and they fall asleep. All of these particular types of faults that are human errors can be eliminated with these self-driving cars. The other thing is that with the self-driving cars, there are many different types of backup systems. If one computer goes out, there's a backup computer that's able to do it. We also know that there's a backup system in which if everything fails on the computer system, if there's a, ma- a major, major hacking where hackers really disconnected all the computers for these self-driving cars, the person who's in the car, if they are able to operate a car, would be able to still drive these cars. So it's anticipated that there will be many, many, many fewer accidents. And with fewer accidents, that means that automobile insurance will be much less. And with fewer accidents, there will be fewer and fewer lawsuits. So there wouldn't be as much money that insurance companies are spending on these different types of lawsuits. And we also know that for the individual family or the individual driver, you wouldn't have to pay for auto insurance because you wouldn't own this car. It would be something that would be owned by a company such as Uber or Lyft or other new types of companies. So there's many, many positive aspects to this in the sense that it could be much more affordable for the individual person, for people who are low vision or people who are older, or people who are disabled, we finally have independence because we would be able to go where we want to, even though we don't have a driver's license. It would be better for the environment where we wouldn't have those types of exhaust and emissions. And it would also be something that there would probably be much less traffic. People would be carpooling together. There would be a self-driving car that would pick up a few people who live close together and take them to their offices and work. Now, one of the things that I found to be very interesting as I was reading it is that the first use of these particular types of self-driving vehicles is planned to be with trucks, trucks that are hauling different types of supplies and cargo across the country. The reason for this is that These truck drivers often will fall asleep as they're driving or many of them try to push it and they drive longer than the minimum or the maximum hours that they are allowed to by the highway patrol. And when drivers are driving for too long, they get tired and they fall asleep and this is how we have accidents. It is thought that if we can control these trucks with these particular types of self-driving vehicles, we could eliminate a lot of those particular types of problems, and these vehicles could essentially be driven all day. You wouldn't have to take an eight-hour shift and then sleep for eight hours and then get back into the truck again. So the efficiency of these vehicles would be even greater because they could be used for a longer and longer period of time. But in order for these particular vehicles to be able to run 24 hours, we then have to look at the power source. These particular cars that are run on batteries, we need to see how could we have batteries that would have either, A, a longer charge life, or B, that they would become recharged much more quickly. I know that with many of the current Google cars that are being used, Uh, You could drive them for about 100 miles, and then you have to charge them up. I have friends who have electric cars. Now, these are not self-driving cars. These are cars that they do drive, but they're able to get about 120 miles uh, on that charge, and then they go to a fast-charging station that could charge the batteries in about two-and-a-half to three hours. So that is fairly good but I don't think that it's at a level that people would be very, very pleased with. There might be times that people would say, you know, if we're going to have a fleet of cars, we really want them to be on the road all the time. Another thing that they have talked about with these particular types of self-driving cars, and Linda has mentioned this to me on the phone prior to the call tonight, is that with farm vehicles and tractors, they feel that this would be a great way that farm vehicles would be able to run constantly and they would be able to plow their fields as needed even without a person driving it because this would simply map the plot of land using that GPS and it would be able to do what it is then programmed to do. Another thing that they're also really encouraged about with the self-driving cars is to begin early on to use them in college areas. College universities and campuses where there's so many students who don't have a car and need to get places. These particular self-driving cars could take the students if they need to go to the market or they want to go out to the movies or they want to go on a date. These would be constantly available and they could be very, very productive one of the things that they are also very, very concerned about with these particular types of self-driving cars is what would also happen, though? What would happen if there was a terrorist who actually loaded these cars with bombs? If it came to pick up that person and it loaded bombs in there and told it to deliver it to a particular location – what would be ways that they can increase the security of these cars so that it wouldn't be filled with bombs where the terrorists may do different things? So overall, I could tell that the developers of these cars, as well as the government and law enforcement, they're really looking at this from all different areas. They're looking at it in the ways that this could be more helpful to people such as us who are blind or the older adults who are over 85 years old and are very frequently involved in accidents. They're looking at how this might be able to reduce traffic and congestion. They're looking at this to the point where they're saying employees wouldn't have to try to find any parking spaces because they're not going to park a car. The car will let them off and they'll go to their offices and their car will go on to pick up the next person. They're looking at it as to how this would improve air quality. They're looking at this how this could eliminate our dependency on oil, and they're also looking at this in the sense of how this would be much more beneficial to our economy by freeing up more land for development. And they're also looking at things that would also enable us to utilize all of these advances in technology. So for me, I am very, I am very, very interested in waiting for the time that these cars are available. Uh, from doing the research that I have done, I don't anticipate that these cars are going to be sold for $30,000. It's not going to sell at the same price as a Toyota or a Ford. Because of the fact that the manufacturers of these automobiles, they know that these cars are going to replace the number of cars on the road. And if this car is able to replace 12 regular vehicles, that means that the number of self-driving cars sold is going to be about 10% of the total vehicles sold today. So if I'm the car manufacturer, I'm not going to sell my car for a very low price because I need to still make the save revenue. So my guess is these cars are still going to be priced quite high, and it will be businesses that purchase these cars that will make a living by driving people and that these businesses will thrive based on whatever is the taxi fare, so to speak. But it's going to be something that will really make life a whole lot easier for all of us who are low vision as well as the entire population. So at this time, I'd like to open it up to any questions and we could have a discussion. I'm certain that there's many of you who even have tried these cars or have more knowledge about these cars than myself. So if you do know the answer, uh, maybe you could uh, unmute your phone as well. So to unmute your phone, go ahead and press star six, please, and we'll take the first question.
1: As you, were, as you were talking, my mind was going towards trucks, and then you talked about trucks. Has there been any thought about smaller uh, utility vehicles like pickup trucks, vans, things like that, that haul a lot of freight around plus people, uh, you know, instead of uh, semis on the highway?
0: Yes, I have read where uh, they do feel that with the commercial types of trucks that are taking cargo, the vans that are taking cargo, those particular types of vehicles will also be a good candidate for the self-driving vehicle. Um, One of the things that I think is going to be very, very helpful for these businesses is the fact that if they don't have to hire employees to drive these vans and pickup trucks, Uh, it would save them a lot of money. And uh, in this case, I don't think of it as these truck drivers losing their jobs, so to speak, but it would give those truck drivers an opportunity to learn a new skill or a new craft so that they can actually have a better job and make even uh, more income. Thank you. Thank you. It's a good question. Another question out there? Now, have have any of you tried riding in these cars or have any of you ever uh, been near one and sat near it or touched it? My understanding is that the cars that are are being studied with Google, I think that it's actually identified that it is a self-driving car. In Nevada, it has a red license plate with an infinity sign on it to signify that it's a self-driving car. And in Arizona right now, they are searching for people who want to test these self-driving cars. I believe that they're paying between $20 and $40 per hour if you want to be a person who is testing these cars. And you would record what are some of your observations and experiences and suggestions. So you could get in touch with Google and and sign up for that if uh, you're in Arizona. Uh, Do we have another question out there?
1: Dr. Bill, this is Tom again. I just thought of another question. When these cars become uh, readily available, if you will, are they going to have to be licensed or certified in each individual state? Or will there be like a, let's call it a reciprocity agreement with all 50 states that if you have a uh, a driverless car—it's okay to drive it, no matter where you go.
0: Oh boy, that's a really good question. I—I I don't know about that, but let's say that I—I uh, I had a car and I came up to Vermont from Los Angeles. That's a good question. I don't know if the Highway Patrol and other law enforcement would allow me to drive my vehicle in other states. I believe that right now there are seven states that have permitted the use of these particular types of self-driving cars. But I do not know what would happen if you took one of these self-driving cars into another state that has not yet approved uh, this type of a
1: vehicle. It might be just as simple as just having a universal federal license for that type of car.
0: Yeah. I think so especially if we're talking about the fact that there would be uh, taxis and uh, big rig trucks and other commercial vehicles that are transporting supplies across the country. Those particular types of vehicles are always going to be crossing the lines. Tom, what do you know uh, about self-driving cars? Have you studied any of that, Tom, from Vermont?
2: My... Wife is dying for me to have a self-driving car. She <laughs> keeps waiting for it. Uh, it gives her more independence and in all of that. So I think a lot of our spouses are, are really waiting for the day. Now, my both of my children drive Priuses. They love the Priuses. Though I understand one the thing is the safety and. Supposedly, all the manufacturers by uh, 2022 will have self-braking, Ford, Chevy, all of them, to make cars safer.
0: Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. Ma- That's great. Yeah.
2: And they say even that is going to co- cut the cost of insurance down by about 20%, because 20% of most accidents are rear-ending people who just aren't paying attention.
0: Wow! But have you ever thought about what are these insurance companies going to do? I I don't think that these insurance companies are really happy that there's going to be lower, supposedly lower premiums.
2: Yeah, they'll find something else. Don't worry, right?
0: That's what I'm thinking. What will they do? But they'll find something to raise it. You know, I I really think so. Uh, does anybody else have any other comments that you'd like to share about the self-driving car? Uh, does anybody else have any questions? Let me do this. If you do have any questions about the self driving car, uh, you could email me. And my email address is drbill, D-R-B-I-L-L, foundation, at gmail.com. Drbillfoundation at gmail.com. And I'll try to find the answers to those questions. Again, I want to thank all of you sincerely for staying on this call. I know it's been a very difficult call with all of the technical problems that we had and the background noise, but I hope it has brought some information uh, that is giving you hope that soon we will all be driving our own cars and uh, maybe we could have a get-together and we could be cruising down uh, Hollywood Boulevard in our self-driving cars together. Wouldn't that be great? So on behalf of the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International, this is Dr. Bill Takeshda, wishing you a very good evening, and we'd like to thank Mr. Dick Burden from Airs LA for recording this. Uh, these podcasts will be up at www.airsla. that's A-I-R-S-L-A dot org, and also on cclvi dot org early next week. So again, thank you very much, and good night everybody.